0: Welcome to episode 24 of the Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce podcast. This episode contains audio from our Chamber Live event which took place on the 16th of March 2021 and was hosted by our Policy, Campaigns and Communications Director Chris Fletcher. Our first guest on this episode is Sean Brophy, Project Manager of AI Foundry. Sean takes us through the £6 million AI Foundry project, which aims to provide AI business innovation to local Greater Manchester businesses. This is followed by a catch up with Diane Ellabert Morgan from our membership team, who focuses on the Chamber's work in the property and construction sector. She is also joined by one of our members, Emma Williams, Senior Business Development Manager from Morgan Sindall, who talks us through some of the exciting developments in the region. We then round things off with a catch-up with our Head of Research, Krishnan Harihara, who discusses the budget and how this has been received by the business world.
1: Welcome everyone to uh, today's uh, Chamber Live event. It's the 16th of March, uh, coming up to nearly a year anniversary of the uh, of of the first lockdown and uh, what a year it has been Um, but all the way through we've hopefully through events like this and our virtual networking events enabled our members and others to keep in touch with each other and also find out uh, about what's actually been going on within Greater Manchester everything hasn't been On hold. There's been a lot of stuff going on, and we'll hear a lot about that and some of the exciting things that's going on uh, in Greater Manchester today during the the course of the next 30 to 40 minutes. Um, Usual Zoom rules apply. Uh, If I could please ask people to uh, mute uh, your microphones and not have any funny um noises going off in in the background. Um if you've got any questions or you want to say hello to people, we've got the chat facility uh that's live, the chat box. So please, if you want to introduce yourself, please do so uh to other people on, on the event today. Or like I said, if there's a particular thing you may want to ask one of our speakers or or something in general, please pop it in there and we'll try and get through as many as we possibly can. Uh, we'll be here for uh, like I said, it's probably about 30, 35 minutes events uh, today. We are recording it uh, and we do publish it uh, within 24 hours on our YouTube channel and also through our podcast as well. So if there's a bit that you want to watch again or you want to send through to people that weren't on, colleagues, acquaintances, whatever it is, please feel free uh, to do so. So um, we'll make a start today. And one of the things I'm really looking forward to this bit, uh, I'd like to introduce uh, our first guest speaker today. It's it's Sean Brophy, the project manager of uh, AI Foundry at, uh, at Manchester Metropolitan University. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Chris, and thank you for having me. That's absolutely superb. So, first of all, just explain a little bit about about AI Foundry and also your role, uh, and just just to you know, help people understand what it's what it's about.
2: Absolutely. So, the Greater Manchester AI Foundry um, is a new project. So, we kicked off last summer, but we're kind of just getting off the ground now. So, it's a six million pound ERDF funded project. Um, it's a three year initiative. And it's actually delivered by four universities. So, Manchester Metropolitan University, that you mentioned, Chris, um, Lancaster, University of Manchester, and Salford. So, I oversee the project across the four universities. And really, the goal of the project is really to deliver kind of AI business innovation to local Greater Manchester businesses. So, the goal is to touch about 170 businesses. And of those 170, we're hoping to work with them to develop about 30 new products. So these are kind of new products that are using AI in some form or fashion. These can be new to market products or these can be products that are new to the firm. And by products, you know, with AI, you know, with any kind of data-driven technology, the definition of what a product is, is fairly broad. So it can be um, like a B two B type product, a B two C product, or it can be a new internal system as well. Okay. And these
1: these businesses, I mean, I'm presuming SMEs can can take part and, and get access to help through this as well. It's not just for your your sort of larger companies. This is aimed at
2: any size business. So the Greater Manchester uh, AI Foundry is specifically working with SMEs. So not so much the large corporates. Now, when we look at kind of why that is, oftentimes it is the small and medium-sized enterprises that are slow to adopt new technology like AI. So we know how long it took a lot of SMEs to to use something like CRM. Um, and you know, I'm working with SMEs today that are still kind of signing up and um, integrating um, CRM into their processes. So what we're hoping to do is for at least the businesses that we're able to interact with is really kind of accelerate the use of AI because AI holds a lot of promise. You know, a lot of people think of AI as kind of like science fiction type technology. It's it's really not. It's actually kind of mundane, but it's in the mundane where we can really drive uh, productivity for for the local SMEs that we're working with.
1: And I guess that's one of the things I think I think you've you've sort of hit a very important point though, because it's this sort of you hear, you hear, you know, AI in a conversation, you immediately think about all sorts of things, you know, 2001 and HAL and all this, that and the other. And, and and it seems very remote, doesn't it, from from the real world? But I think the bit there you mentioned about it can be the mundane. And it's I suppose, in a, in a way, it's it's part of the use of greater digitalization and technology to, to uh, drive business efficiency.
2: Exactly. So if you think about what AI is, like, good at, it's it's really not the stuff of science fiction. It's not the Terminator stuff. Um, it's really um, simple things like automating um, structured and repetitive work processes. So think about you know using um, technology to read receipts that then go into an expense report. Yeah, you know that's the beauty of AI. Also, it can really help gain insight through um, analyzing extensive data sets. So we you know, we're familiar with analysis paralysis, that there's too much data um, at our fingertips. It can be customer data, uh, it can be transaction data, AI can really kind of make sense of that big data problem. And then it helps us to better engage with customers and employees. So that can be chatbots, or it can be, um, you know, learning from customer behaviors on our websites to put the right products in front of them, from an advertising perspective, so that's kind of what AI is. And so I said mundane. Um, so that is mundane compared to Terminator, but it's still pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's interesting. You're having we're having this sort of conversation, you know. And uh, I always refer to things, you know, if you're having this sort of conversation two or three years ago, people would have been looking like a little bit what on earth. It feels natural now, doesn't it? This this type of conversation and looking at how businesses can take advantage of things like this does feel part of 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 the landscape really. But I guess there's a lot more that needs doing just to sort of maybe bust a few myths, isn't there, really, and just to get businesses to 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 accept it really as 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 part of the processes going forward.
2: Absolutely. So I don't know if you you're seeing what I'm seeing on Zoom, but right now I'm getting this notification that Otter AI yeah. is transcribing it live. Yeah. And, 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 and I guess that's kind of the, that's the power of artificial intelligence. Again, it's not the Terminator stuff, but it's taking something that used to be a very laborious uh, human process. And it was expensive to get audio kind of transcribed uh, by humans as well. Hmm. And it's done kind of automatically. And it's done to a very high degree. So Otter AI is about 90, 95% accurate. Okay. Um, and that was not true. Five years ago, that wasn't true. Two years ago, so it's rapidly changing. So the sooner that kind of SMEs can get on board with the technology and start to embed it in their process, you know, the better off they will be. This is, I think, it is one of those instances where first mover advantage is key.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And is there any cost associated with uh, with business if they want to, you know, um, take advantage of, of what you can do for them at uh, the
2: AI foundry? So the Greater Manchester AI Foundry is fully funded. So there's no cost to businesses to participate. So, you know, we're hoping to kind of reach our goal of 170 businesses on the project. And again, it's at the four universities yeah, um, as well. So if you're not going to work with me here at MMU, you know, you're going to work with my colleagues at Salford, University of Manchester, or, or even Lancaster. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it sounds absolutely
1: fascinating. and certainly something we'll probably uh, cover again uh, sometime in the future and just see how, how, the, uh, how the scheme is actually going, Sean. Uh, we, we think we'll be sending out uh, contact details after the event to everyone on there. But obviously, is there a quick way that businesses may want to just get in touch or find out more information? Yeah, so you
2: can email me. Um, it's s.brophy at mmu.ac.uk. I'd be happy to chat with you. Or failing that, just Google Greater Manchester AI Foundry. You know, the first result will lead you to me as well. Okay. So um, if you are interested, I'm happy to schedule some time and talk about it and how you know we can help you and your business.
1: Okay. Sean, that's absolutely superb. Thank you so much. And again, part of what we want to do through events like this is just to raise awareness that this stuff is isn't happening somewhere in, you know, it's not Silicon Valley, this is right on our doorstep. Uh, stuff like this and uh, like i said you know these conversations are increasingly becoming more naturalized really about what businesses can be doing in taking advantage of uh, you know, from Sean and his colleagues at, at, at places like this. Sean, thank you so much uh, for that. That's absolutely fascinating. Like I said, I'd love to have a, a follow-up at some stage and then maybe in the next couple of months to see how, how things are going uh, and also find out a, a little bit more about some of the, the the, you know, case studies and things that you've been uh, been working on. It's absolutely superb. Sean, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Um, so, thank you, Chris. Uh, but, thank you to the Chamber. That's okay. No no problem whatsoever. That's absolutely superb. We'll share uh, any contact details afterwards. Uh, our, our next guest uh, today is, uh, is is a member of staff, and uh, she's a little bit like a Swiss army knife. She does that many different things and roles and tasks uh, in a day job. It's hard to find out sometimes what I'm supposed to be talking to her about. However, today... We're discussing the property and construction sector uh, within uh, within chamber membership and within Greater Manchester as well. So I'd like to welcome Diane Elbert-Morgan, Morgan, who is a regular on these. And you're normally talking about Kickstart, aren't you, Diane? But today we're focusing on the uh, on, on on property and construction. Um, just like to ask, really, it's I mean, obviously it's one of the the big you know sectors that we have in membership. We have businesses from from a huge number of sectors, but we've also done quite a bit of work over the years haven't with 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 property and construction and also you know within greater manchester as well it is one of the key sectors isn't it do we offer anything specific for businesses uh within membership uh that that are in this sector we do morning thanks
3: for that never been called a swiss army night
4: before it's time for everything
3: Um, Yeah, it's a big sector for us, property and construction. So out of the four and a half thousand businesses that are members, there's about 700 that sit in either property, construction or somewhere in between. So we run specific events, some property focused, some construction focused and some that are a bit of a, a mixed bag. What we also have is a wonderful um, steering group, if you like, property and construction group that help me. So we meet every two months and they help me and you, as you know, Chris, to steer the, the policy, be the voice for the sector in the region. And also, you know, to make sure that the events are topical, you know, hot topics and we're covering everything that our members need to know. And there's, there's some people on the call as well. So welcome to them this morning. Um, we work with local authorities as well. So all across Greater Manchester, I work closely with the councils. Some of the P&C group do that as well. And we try to present the live opportunities in the sector. It's, it's one of those sectors where we talk about the supply chain all the time, you know, so right from the tier one construction companies, you know, big big projects being delivered. We want our members to know about that and how they can get involved in the work as well. So yeah, really big sector. And
1: it it's important, isn't it? Like you mentioned, because the 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 protein construction sector underpins so much of 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 the economy, basically, not just locally in Greater Manchester, but throughout the UK and worldwide as well, because and it's always one of those that sort of, you know, if there's any sort of um, economic problems, it always seems to be the first in and, you know, the first out, you know, you you use it to, to grow forward. Looking at the last 12 months, and it's interesting because I, I always use the sector as an example of, you know, one that hasn't shut down, it's carried on, there's been been a lot of challenges, but how are you seeing things within the sector uh, that, that's happened over the last uh, 12 months? How, how, how is it fared?
3: It, it's been difficult, same as it has for everybody. And I guess an easy way to look at it would have been, well, you know, property and construction carried on. It was, you know, it was good. It was easy for them. They didn't have to, you know, make it. They didn't have any challenges, but they, they certainly did. Recruitment being an issue. You know, they had people off sick, people who were you know, couldn't work, site working was an issue. So even though they could carry on and, and it sounded like, well, you know, the lucky, and I guess they were, they, you know, it came with its problems as well. And, you know, and, and, and if you look at it economically, the, lots of ups and downs as well were, you know, stuff like residential couldn't carry on. So, yeah, it came with its challenges as well over the last 12 months.
1: Mm. Oh, it's there, And, and uh, are there some exciting projects coming up within Greater Manchester?
3: Yeah, which is, you know, a bit of a bit of positivity. There's yeah, still... I guess the sector's still struggling um, with supply materials, things like that, but, you know, they're coming out of that now. I think there's some six-week delays on things as well, but the positivity is there's been some brilliant schemes announced um, over the last 12 months, and I've brought somebody along this morning to talk about that. If I can introduce Emma from Morgan Sindal, she's going to give us an insight into some projects that have been announced over lockdown and, and where they're up to. Over to you, Emma. Good morning. Good morning.
5: Hi, everybody. I'm uh, Emma Williams. I'm senior BD manager at Morgan Sindel. Um Obviously, there's copious amounts of developments in Greater Manchester, but we've not got time to cover everything. So we just thought we'd pick um, a, a few exciting ones. Um, so I just wanted the first one really is really close to me personally because I was born there. So I was born in what was Crumstall Hospital at the time and is now North Manchester General Hospital. So that's had uh, an influx of funding from government, one of the many hospitals that needs redeveloping as part of the government's uh, HIP funding scheme. So they're doing a full transformation of the hospital campus. So it's not just, oh, the hospital needs refurbing and that's it. It's sort of making it into health and well-being focus. Um, North Manchester, and I can say this because I've grown up there, is probably one of the most deprived areas at the moment in the country. Um, so the ambition for the trust and the council and the health and care partnership is really to change the lives of the people that live in north manchester so they're not just doing um the acute hospital 70 percent of it does need rebuilding but they're also doing um a health and well-being hub an education center a new mental health hospital public realm works car parking the whole estate is just going to get revamped and it's going to Create such a difference for the people of North Manchester, the amount of social value that will be created throughout the build process from the contractors that are going to be involved. There's 2,000 people that work at the hospital, and a lot of them are from the local area, so obviously they'll be affected by, by the build in a good way. It can benefit them. Um, so I think Vinci are already involved doing the new mental health hospital, um, and then there's going to be the first sort of phase is going to start soon to re- do some sort of an enabling works and car parking and to get the
3: site unlocked ready for the new hospital so very exciting oh brilliant ah, great like you said great for the area and, t- and is- so how far is it underway? this and-, and how soon do you think it'll have an impact Emma, on the area well, they've already got,
5: there's already activity on site at the moment and contractors about to be announced for the first phase and Morgan Sindel are in the race for that. So I can't say any more than that. Just watch this space, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, so yeah, works are imminent, funding's in place. So as soon as the enabling works are underway, that's when we, whoever is appointed will start to make an impact. As soon as construction sites that starts on site, that's when an impact starts
3: in the area. Wow. And is it, do you, is it similar to uh, something that we saw that was an entry for building of the year? Was it, it side where they'd done uh, everything in one, you know, somebody could go there and they could see the doctor, they could see the uh, social workers, you know, things like that. Yeah. That's what they're thinking of doing in
5: the sort of well-being hub. So there yeah. will be a well-being hub on site, which is more of a community-based facility, really. Local people can come in and there'll be a community cafe and allotment space and stuff like that. It's not a community hub in the sense of Tameside. Um, but... This is a different development. Morgan Sindel are actually looking at one for Manchester City Council in Gorton at the moment that's very similar to the Tameside one. It's more of a smaller community GP type facility as opposed to this is the big hospital, but there will be education facilities on site and health and wellbeing centres and things like that. But this is more of a wider hospital redevelopment. Okay,
3: fabulous. And what
5: else have we got coming up? <laughs> so that's North Manchester. So that's my neck of the woods. But then um, whatever the other area that's quite close to me is Salford. So our office is based in Salford. I'm not there today, I'm at home, but um, we're in Salford Keys. and Morgan Sindel Group as a whole have been active in Salford for numerous years um, through Muse and Lovell and Morgan Sindel Construction. I think we're delivering, our, are about to deliver nearly £4 billion worth of work in Salford. So it's a really exciting area for us. Um, but the one thing I wanted to talk about was the Salford Crescent Master Plan. So while she's saying that during the lockdown, property and construction suffered slightly, I mean, generally, in every recession that we've seen over the last 15 years, construction has been hit massively, hasn't it? So yes, we have suffered a little during this, but you're right, we have carried on and it hasn't really impacted us as much as it as it did in the past. So it was great to see that some of these developments still carried on moving. Um, so English Cities Fund were appointed by University of Salford and Salford City Council as their developer partner for Salford Crescent master plan and that's the um, SRF's been completed now and things will start to move on that I mean, I'm mean, i not an expert I'm not one of the developer partners so they'll know more than I do but pretty sure that's going to start moving this year um, and it's regenerating the whole of Salford Crescent so if you imagine the university campus all the way down Salford Crescent at the Adelphi village Peel Park it's going to be a massive development. So it'll be really exciting for the people of Salford. If there's anyone from Salford on the, on the call this morning,
3: it's very exciting times for Salford.
2: So we're
3: um, residential at the heart of it, Emma? Because there's a lot of development we've already seen in, uh, you know down Chapel Street. Yeah, um, so ECF have already d- delivered in Chapel Street as
5: well and Salford Central and New Bailey. And a lot of that has been um, residential-led. But this one is a real innovation district. It's not just residential. There will be like 3,000 homes, I think uh, over a million square feet of commercial space. But there's a million square feet and above of education space. And mm-hmm. um, One of the zones, I think it's split into six zones. One of the zones, zone two, is all around green space. And that's one of the biggest ones. So they're not getting rid of green space. It's all about education, innovation and residential. So it's not just residential homes. It's a real mix, mixed okay. use development.
3: Exciting stuff, and so this is what we mm-hmm. need. We're encapsulating everything, into, you know, yeah. an apartment, and you know, the value. So it was all focused on value and the increased value. So it's nice to see. Yeah,
5: well, we're already on site with some of the university buildings that are part of the master plan. So they've kick started it with education. Oh. So we're building the School of Science and Engineering for University of Salford, and we're about to start on site with the North of England Centre of robotics innovation I've said that wrong (laughs) NERICS north of England robotics innovation centre it's a very long name um so yeah we're going to start on site with that soon as well so it's education at the start and then I think some residential will come and like I say green space yeah oh that'd be good
3: and lastly we have the exciting Mayfield that we've been hearing about
5: I know we're well, speaking about green space, so I, I really am not an expert on this one, but I, I have to say it's just it excites me because it's like a six and a half acre park that's coming into Manchester city centre essentially. We've not had a park in the city for 100 years. So that's, you know, that's just amazing. So they've already kick-started development on that with some of the public realm space um, and then commercial and car parking. Again, car parking unlocks a lot of developments. So generally, you have to start with something like that to get it going. But I know Louise Wyman's really excited about Mayfield because of the public realm and the open space. I mean, at the end of the day, it used to be a big industrial area, didn't it? And going from Manchester's industrial heritage to then bringing it green and open and places for people to come. and not likening it to somewhere like central park but (laughs) how amazing would it be for people you know to be coming into manchester to that
3: public area and green space so yeah Yeah, it is it is exciting you know when you just keep reading about it and thinking there's another update there's something else going on it's nice to hear it do you think it's last question this sorry emma do you think um, is it something that that's that's been replicated out of another city and maybe internationally i always wonder if it's if it's
5: likened to something, you know. I don't. From what I've heard of the development partnership, the Mayfield partnership, they don't really liken it to anything else. I think they see their development as unique. Like yeah. I just said, this Central Park in New York isn't they, and obviously you've got Hyde Park in London. But I think, I think this development itself is unlike anything else that's been done elsewhere. It's it's got its industrial heritage. There's little quirky food stalls popping up they've been hosting music venue and concerts in there in the old depot so it's an old rail depot as well then it's going to have this brand new commercial and residential space but then on the flip side of that this brand new six and a half acre park so the only thing I could liken it to slightly is the central part but not with the industrial side so I think they'd like to say the unique but you'd have to ask Mayfield partnership
3: (laughs) thank you that's brilliant thank you it's nice to to have some positivity into and see the um you know the projects that are going ahead and what difference will make to the region and the city so thank you very much you're welcome any questions
1: (laughs) There's there's been a couple of comments actually and and uh, Peter McDermott, we do a lot of work with uh, with, with uh, University of Salford and he's just put a link into the uh, the, the, the master plan I think there as well and uh, that's a fabulous piece of work and also Hazel's put a comment as well and, you know, linking it back to where we've been over the last 12 months and one of the things to come out of COVID is that people do need that green space as well. It can't be, you know, it just can't be, you know, concrete and bricks and one thing or another. so I think that, that park bit and I know that's been on the, the, the planning boards for for some time but to actually start to see that happen now uh i think is a reflection on you know what we need in the future as well as what we need you know 12 18 months ago as well and it's how that develops i think which is uh which is quite exciting uh so some some really really good stuff there uh emma and uh thank you for for, for that update
5: no problem thanks for having me
1: Okay, that's superb. If, if there is anything else for for Emma, please drop it in in the chat, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll try and get around to it uh, before we finish. Diane, thank you so much uh, for that insight. Really good to see you know what what we're doing uh, around this sector. It's always been one of the most uh, forward looking and, and active uh, sectors in, in in membership, and you've done some fantastic work with them o- over the uh, last few years. And I know you will be doing that in, in uh, for some time to come, and amongst everything else that you're doing. Uh, and of course, Diane is also uh, one of the Leading forces behind the work that we're doing uh, on Kickstart as well, uh, getting young people uh, up and into business. And we've had some really, really good success stories uh, that Diane's been heavily involved with over the last couple of weeks with that as well. So, you know, like I said, a lot of things being juggled at the same time, but a lot of stuff now beginning to come off and exactly the right type of stuff that we need within the community, within the Greater Manchester economy as well, if we are going to go forward uh, from where we have been over the last 12 months. So, Diane, thank you very much uh, for uh-huh. taking the time today to uh, to join us. Uh, our last uh, speaker today is uh, is one of our regulars um, and it's uh, Subra, our head of, uh, of research. Good morning, Subra. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And uh, when we last spoke, uh, our last chamber live event, I think it was uh, the day before uh, the budget. Uh, that what? seems an awful long time ago. It's only a fortnight, but it uh, feels like it was last year, I think, really. Um, obviously, um, the headlines and things and, and people have moved on or whatever, but I just want to just pick up on, on the budget as well and, and your sort of, of response to it, because sometimes with a the budget, there's an awful lot of uh, focus done on the day and getting a quick response out to one thing or another. And it's, you know, a few weeks later, you start to look at things in a bit more detail. Um, obviously, a lot of it was focused on the uh, COVID support bit, the extension of furlough and on one oh, thing, which is all good stuff, actually, I suppose, from, from a business perspective. Was anything in there really that that has sort of been missed in, in the headlines or, you know, any,
4: any sort of other wins that were in there for, for businesses that we've been working on? So the. Common verdict uh, on the budget seems to have been that it is very good for the short term in offering the support for businesses uh, to tide over the current crisis. Uh, And that's primarily led by the support schemes, which have all been extended until uh, the 30th of um, September. Uh, But then the long-term economic vision uh, seems to be lacking uh, how are we going to level up the economy? You know, what are the big infrastructure projects that uh, we need to commission to uh, balance the different regions? How are we going to address the regional disparities and inequalities? Those things are, have been completely missed out uh, on this budget. Uh, the chancellor might respond that in the uh, spending review, uh, he announced the leveling up fund, uh, which was uh, 4 billion uh, pounds. Uh, but then it's um, every allocation is uh, capped at uh, 20 million pounds. Uh, and essentially, it is a scheme that local councils have to bid against one another uh, mm-hmm. to actually get uh, that assistance. So we know that uh, Bolton got uh, 20 million uh, for uh, the development of uh, the town, the town centre. Uh, but then, you know, you might say, well, how does that help the, all of Greater Manchester? Um, and so the, the, the verdict uh, clearly is correct in the sense that the Chancellor and the government to an extent uh, have not articulated you know, what their plans are for leveling up, and what you know, Boris Johnson came to power on the back of a uh, leveling up promise, and we still don't know what that actually means or what they think about it.
1: Mm-hmm. And of course, since then, we've also heard that, you know, in the industrial strategy is uh, is no more as well. And this again was one of the big things that I know a lot of members were very interested in this because we've not had an industrial strategy for some time or none that was sort of so obvious, really. And now it's a bit disappointing that, that that's gone. You know, by the way side of a lot of other government initiatives uh so it's a time when you need that firm focus going forward it's all a little bit hazy isn't it really with uh with, with things And i think the point you make about leveling up is uh is is that exactly you know we, we need some sort of certainty to 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 go forward uh we're not totally reliant on it but i'll tell
4: you something it's very helpful isn't it absolutely i mean the industrial strategies were um extremely important for the regions that built them and you know, this is a serious case of policy flip-flop um, because Theresa May's government really started pushing uh, every, every every region, every council uh, to have a local industrial strategy. And, you know, lots of money was spent uh, on, on developing these uh, strategies. And then uh, three years later, we suddenly don't need them anymore, apparently. Um, it's, a, it's a big issue for many regions because the skills um, strategy, the skills plan, the local development plans, the local economic growth plans, all sort of tied in with the local industrial strategies, and the local industrial strategy actually prioritised what sectors uh, it is that different uh, regions uh, want to uh, develop. Um, and so, uh, you know, the the uh, industrial strategy council, the advisory board, has been has been decommissioned, uh, so they are no longer at work the government wants to come up with a centralized uh, plan, and we know that historically centralized plans haven't necessarily uh, worked because they do not take into account local nuances, uh, local differences, um, et cetera. And so it is going to be a big issue, uh, and we don't know what it is going to be replaced with. Uh, And until then, there's going to be some ambiguity and gaps in uh, regional policymaking. Mm. Mm. Um, just
1: one other thing, separate from, uh, from uh, what's what going on from a, a sort of political perspective and future plans and one thing, you know, a set of figures released last week, uh, the back end of it, from the, uh, from the ONS uh, around trade figures and, um, for January, and uh, I think exports were down 40% and imports were down 28%, so a real sort of hit, really, uh, as, as to what it could be. Is there any surprise, really, Uh, burning in mind the the conversations we've been having with our members that are being hit with all sorts of things looking to uh, do international trade? Are are you at all surprised that these figures are looking quite as as gloomy as
4: as they are? The figures are gloomy. uh, And there are, I think, two reasons for it. One is, of course, that many businesses try to ship goods uh, before the December 31st uh, deadline. And just looking into the export docs data from uh, ourselves, from from within the chamber, and uh, having spoken to some colleagues, what we noticed is that the number of export documentation processed actually went up in December compared to November. In in every year uh, past, it has been the other way around. So December is usually a a calm and quiet month compared to uh, October and November, which are actually really busy months. Um, so that is probably one reason which has had a slight impact, but that is not the main reason. Of course, uh, the main reason is uh, is that there have been numerous problems trying to uh, move goods uh, out, across the border, and I find this absolutely ironic because fishing was one of the main sticking um, you know points in coming to an agreement with the EU. And we were told we can get control of our waters. You know, Boris Johnson famously made that comment to Nicola Sturgeon that she can consume the prodigious amount of fish that she would ever want. But what has actually crashed in terms of exports? It's the export of live animals, and it's the export of fish and shellfish. You know it is it is it was symbolic, as many people pointed out. But then, Having got an agreement which actually makes the export of live animals and uh, fish so difficult, we are now in a situation where we can catch all the fish that we want, but we don't know what to do with it. Um, because you can't you can't export it. you know, there are um, good export markets previously, there, there still are, uh, I suppose. Um, but there has been an enormous amount of difficulty, and this has been repeatedly pointed to us uh, by our members in trying to move goods across the border particularly live animals because Mm. the labeling requirements are unclear the customs declaration requirements are unclear different customs agencies in European countries are um, interpreting the terms differently and different um, shipping companies logistics companies are interpreting the regulations differently so nobody knows what's going on
1: And that, that is is something we're hearing on a daily basis. Uh, when we're getting a lot of members r- ringing up, and uh, in some cases it seems like it's getting resolved. It seems like some of the issues are are actually um, getting worse, really. Yeah. Um, and and there's all sorts of nuances within this, and there's quite some major stuff as well. I know a couple of weeks ago we had a conversation around the new VAT implications, and. Uh, it seemed at the time that even the people that were setting the rules in government weren't quite sure what those rules should be so yeah. you see where this has that trickle down effect but obviously now it's really beginning to to impact uh, on that so Subra, thank you so much for that again and, and your sort of insight into, in, into some of this stuff and again what we try and do is obviously we take the, the big sort of headlines and, and work out what what happens and what the impact of that is uh, for local business and local economy um, I think uh, briefly on the chat there was a, a, a link went through uh, we're going to be closing our quarter economic survey for, for quarter one this year uh, today. And obviously, that's a big piece of work uh, that Subra is uh, is involved with. And we've got our, our launch event on the 26th of March, which obviously, if you can attend, please do so um, and, and come and listen to Subra explain what is going on. Um, within the local economy and the impact of all these things, you know, both COVID, Brexit, and all the rest of it, uh, but all that is really from the voice of business, from the direct feedback of people uh, like yourselves, our members, and other businesses as to what's going on uh, within the local economy. So it's well worth uh, attending that and just finding out what what's going on. It should be an interesting 12 months. I think probably more so than uh, previous years when it's coming to the quarterly economic survey survey uh but we shall see and hopefully try and make sense of some of this also playing things like the budget and other stuff that we've heard about as well today uh, so Subra, thank you so much for uh for taking the time there's uh, a link there to the event uh just come through uh on the chat um and so that's it i don't think there's anything left out stand. There's a couple of questions from uh from peter around uh things like the industrial strategy and what's happening with sectors and one thing and another um it does feel like the you know the industrial uh, strategy is something that the government wants to to sort of airbrush uh, from history as it were really uh and come up with something else and that'll be interesting how that impacts on on various sectors uh and of course um as we've heard from uh, dine and emma the property and construction sector is one of those key ones there is there still going to be sector specific deals uh that, that are going to be in place only time will tell, but guaranteeing, I can promise you, we'll keep our eyes and ears open on that and let you know uh, what happens and keep you informed of all that uh, so thank you so much uh, to everyone for, for joining us today thanks to our speakers thank you to to Sean from uh, from the AI, uh, AI Foundry uh, thanks to Diane and also thanks to Emma as well from Morgan Sindel to, to come along and just give us some idea about what's going on some of the good news It's about time we had some real positive stuff going out there isn't it to uh, to give us all a bit of a spring in our step as hopefully we're approaching the end of lockdown uh, got the vaccination programme going and hopefully fingers crossed in a couple of months time we can be getting back to as near normal as as we possibly can hope for all that remains for me to say is thank you all for for joining us again look out for uh, a repeat of this we've got it going out on our podcast and also through our youtube channel so if you want to uh catch any piece you may have missed or whatever it is it's there for you to catch up with uh this time next week we've got our networking event, our virtual networking events uh and then in two weeks time uh, we've got chamber live again. Uh, again so uh, that'll be important and also as we get ever closer to the mayoral election in may we'll probably start to drip some of that into it as well uh, because the local elections will be taking place this year they were postponed last year uh, so we will see a mayoral election in may this year uh, which could be uh, quite an interesting uh, contest in itself so thanks very much for joining us Uh, thanks for all your involvement thanks to our speakers uh, and enjoy the rest of your day and stay safe thank you